Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday. How are you this fine morning? Scott Mosby here on board with you for two full hours. Lots of things happening. Hopefully we can, uh, you know, make sure we get, uh, oh, I don't know, good things to talk about here around your home. All that matters because we've got some warmer temperatures again coming around the corner just uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, up in the 70s, sunshiny. So we might get a little sunshine today. Opportunities on the weekend for taking care of our homes, the buildings that we reside in, and if it's perhaps like me, I'm out in the garage, on the patio, I'm kind of an outdoor sort of guy, love gardening, all the things related to that, kind of a Mike Miller aficionado aficionado here, I I just like listening to KMOX and all the things on the weekend for sure. Scott Mosby, phone lines, this is the KMOX Home Improvement Show, we have two full hours, ten phone lines, all for you. 314-436-7900, 436-7900, 800-925-1120, toll-free, anywhere on the globe. Tune in, uh, vote early, vote often, bring it on here, folks. We've got lots of things to talk about. We are on the cusp of springtime right around the corner. Spring training, uh, Tom Ackerman checking in this morning. And indeed, so many things to talk about. So we've got St. Louis on the air in the spring. And coming right around the corner with some great weather and outdoor gatherings. Scott Mosby here. Uh, I own and operate Mosby Building Arts in uh, Kirkwood, Missouri. Uh, we were founded in 1947. So uh, we're in our 75th year and uh, second, now third generation rolling over in this uh, enterprise that really was founded uh, just to make a better mousetrap, if you will. Um, so just a way of combining the design with the construction services so that the delivery or the quality or the ease in which it was, uh, the ease in which doing a good job was facilitated by having everybody in one company. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of where we came from and it started out, uh, just a better way to build screen porches and, and, uh, um, um, decks and things like that earlier years in the 1940s and 50s were custom homes my father Samuel J Mosby was a general contractor and did quite a bit of custom home building we come from that uh, history and and frankly if you get down to uh, how we go about doing things it's uh, trying to do it in the most connected way as uh, as possible Uh, for example Um, you know a a remodeling project comes out we send a consultant to the home basically that consultant inspects the home and we're looking for all those budgets that are hiding and lurking that might surprise our project that we're discussing whether it's a kitchen a room addition whole house remodel uh, whatever it might be bathroom you know all the things that we do which are pretty much everything around a resident or a home and accessibility being one of those things And as such, you know, there's always, well, there's the electric panel that, boom, there you go, an extra $2,000, $3,000 that has to be checked. Oh, oh, the the water service isn't, oh, there's an extra eight to $12,000 plus, you know, landscaping disruption or whatever it might be. So we have begun um, back in the, I guess, 80s. 
uh, truly kind of uh, reviewing or inspecting, if you will, an entire home because we're trying to figure out what does the home need. We know why we're invited to the home and talk about whatever that particular project is, but you know, nobody loves a surprise, you know, so our job is in the design portion, looking forward, the job planning, all the things we, you know, like to excel in, you know, how do we get ready for this project and how do we fully report to a homeowner what they've got and how to get from point A to B and to C and then to the next project five years down the line to D, E, F, G, H, I, you know, all the things that happen in a Mosby relationship for, frankly, you know, we're into fourth and fifth generations now in some of our clients. Uh, so anyway, just talking about that right here on CAMWEX, uh, that's about me and our company. All of this is about you and your home, your family, your health, the security, uh, the lighting, uh, empowering and uh, the uh, uh, fire service, the emergency services, the police, how do they, in partnership with you and your exterior lighting and the bushes and all the things that go on, how do we help those in creating our homes to help the police do a better job? Yeah, that's that. They're one of our constituencies on a home. How you know? Okay, so you know you wind up somebody falls down the steps, and you know the ambulance comes, and in comes the gurney and the all the you know paramedics, emergency techs, and they can't get the thing in the door, around the corner, out of the home, or into the bedroom. So think about those things because life happens um, sometimes when you're not lurking looking you know for example now we, you know we're in the war with the Ukraine and and the Russians uh, technically we're not but golly it sure is uh, seems to be filling a good bit of our thoughts so the unexpected happens sometimes it happens to you and me so our role as designers and builders of whatever project you want us to do is to sometimes look outside for the eventualities that you as a layman or layperson <clears throat> may not recognize. So that's kind of our job, how we look at it. Uh, as such, uh, sometimes we're not so popular because, you know, somebody wants us to come and do this thing for their kid. It's like, well, you're, you know, you need a new electric panel. You've got a big crack in the foundation and the problem's there. The investment in this home on this kitchen, I know you want a kitchen, but you've got some more urgent maintenance issues. Oh, well, that, you know, Maintenance is just not fun. Uh, exciting design projects really are. But that's where the kind of, I don't know, uh, central knowledge, organizational knowledge of Mosby Building Arts comes from is, you know, we know a lot of stuff and therefore we're accountable for a lot of stuff. Uh, and we're human, so sometimes we're not perfect as well. How do we recover from that? How do we build the business systems? How do we communicate with clients on a regular, recurring, and general basis? All that stuff. Anyway, we can talk about this and more right now. I know, I know. You know, it. it the weather is, um, you know, not as great as you might choose for a Saturday, but. Tomorrow's coming, 70s, sunny, a little sunshine later on today, I promise. Scott Mosby here. So we've got phone lines, 314-436-7900, We can talk about outdoors. Yeah, the coming outdoors. You know, it's time. I, I don't know about you, but... You know, I'm done being indoors. It let's go outdoors, uh, patio decks, sidewalks, lawns, uh, preparing for the springtime uh, in the garden and the the landscaping, water drainage, downspouts, any gutter issues that have happened. Um, so if you haven't figured it out, 
the required parts of home maintenance, the things that are just not sexy, not fun, and always inconvenient money, those are also part of what we talk about right here on University of Camwex. My name is Scott Mosby. I am truly at your service. I'm, I've been around Camwex, uh, golly, long time. I think 1995, something like that. I heard Mike Miller refer to 1994 this morning. And I was around shortly thereafter. And, uh, you know, golly, my garden has looked better ever since. Just kind of brushing shoulders with Mike Miller. You know, just can't help it. Uh, 314-436-7900. puts us together right here on University of KMOX. My name is Scott Mosby. I am at your service. Uh, We're going to take a short pause. And we'll be right back after this on KMOX. Local news and information direct to your smart speaker. Just say, play KMOX. Oh, yes, indeed. We are together live and lively. KMOX phone lines for you. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby at your service. And this is the KMOX Home Improvement Show till 1 o'clock today. Let's go talk with my friend Diane. Hey, Diane, good morning. Welcome to KMOX this Saturday. How can I help? Hi. Hey, I have a cedar fence, 28 years old, that we just had removed and replaced and i would like to use the posts um to build a raised garden bed raised vegetable plot bed um and my question is whether the stain that we put on them whether i should be concerned about that and try to remove it you know like i say the uh, it was built 28 years ago so we probably stained it i'm guessing five times in the first 10 years with a high quality um, stain cedar color to mm-hmm. protect from UV rays. As I look at the posts, uh, I would say most of them have almost no stain color left on them. A uh, few of them that were in complete shaded areas have maybe 90% color left. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do I, is that something, I, I would guess they have not been stained for at least 15 years. Mm-hmm. Do I need to be concerned about that? Do I need to sand it off of those that have a fair amount of the color left, or what would you do? Uh, Diane, first off, great question. Uh, number two, no, you don't have to worry about the stain. Number three, you need to protect that rottable cedar post from future water deterioration with a liner of some sort inside your planters. So Uh think of it as a little swimming pool liner, maybe a real thick trash bag type thing. But the concept is cedar below grade doesn't last very long. And when you pull those posts out, you'll see what underground looks like compared to above ground. Right. Um, And and number three, uh, cedar is far better than treated posts because you can't get rid of that stuff. So if it were treated a yellow pine, that green stuff, yeah. um, usually warped and bent by now in 28 years, uh, that would be uh, not a good thing unless you really line it um, thoroughly. So the point is, stack them up, do your thing, no need for the stain. But I would at least put, um, if not, some sort of a roof coating, and it has to be able to drain. You've got to let the water out from inside these planters as well, uh, so that the roots all you know drain as well. But you need some sort of a swimming pool liner to protect the cedar. You follow where I'm going? Yes, yes. So if I'm doing it like a swimming pool, do I really want the floor of the swimming pool there or leave the floor 
um, yep. a bear to the ground. Bear to the ground would be great. Uh, there's another issue there, uh, and, and it can be aluminum sheets. So, I mean, you can get this coil stock, aluminum stuff at a big box store. You build your planter, and yeah. then you just cut the aluminum. You just slide it in, you know, at four sides and leave the bottom open. You are subject somewhat uh, to moles and critters uh, coming up from uh, the bottom for uh, eating, depending on how tall you make these things. Um, but that's a pretty minor concern if you're you know, 18 inches, 20 inches above the ground with the surface of the soil. Right. I think we'd be about 15 inches up from the surface of the soil. Um, yeah. When I line it, do I need to, if I'm just doing the one dimension, you know, the, the inside of it, do mm -hmm. I need to angle it at the bottom and put it underneath the uh, under surface of the lowest post? Ideally, yes. That is your weakest link. Um, lap, and that would be on the inside, the bottom, and the outside coming up to grade. Be careful with metal using that. And this is where sometimes a rubberoid roofing roll material can work out fine. You know, if it's sticking up, you're not likely to cut your foot on the outside right. of that, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. If I'm going to go with the rubber stuff, then what am I actually looking to buy? Uh, usually in a roll roof or ice or water, ice and water shield, uh, oh. get in the roofing section. You can see them at the yeah. big box stores. They're usually three feet long. Um, and it's more of a shingle roll roof and it'll say something like uh, 90 pound roll roof or something like that. Um, and, and the ice and water shield or peel and stick is way too much technology for this. We just want to keep the moisture, um, from the inside uh, minimized and let it let that wood dry to the outdoors or the outside of that planter oh great okay super yeah don't get too wound up about the corners and all that you know sealing them all just do the best job you can to fit that slide it down um right. that'd be great uh, so uh, you know the more preparation you do now the longer the planters last and uh, uh yeah good question i mean there's a lot of nasty chemicals that go into treated lumber that i sure don't want to eat with my you know bacon right. lettuce and tomato sandwich right but the stain that i use that's now 15 years old should not be a problem huh no, it's all leached out for the most part, and most of that stuff, even oil or water, uh, yeah, most of that is pretty. It, it's pretty docile, you know. It's it's more of a. I wouldn't worry about that at all. I'm more concerned with, um, you know, building a nice planter and having only last a year or two because it rotted. Right. Right. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah. these posts lasted below grade for 28 years. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and be be mindful and conscious of where that soil comes from that you fill those planters up because I've done some really whiz-bang planters only to dig them from one side of the yard. And then my, my wife says, isn't that where you put all the, you know, the insecticide for the whatever over it? And it's like, oh, yeah, that wasn't a good, smart thing. So maybe I need to get better soil. <laughs> oh, okay. Just yeah, be mindful well, gonna... where it comes from. Yeah, okay. Well, I was going to be getting it in those bags from garden center places. Okay. Yeah, so. yeah. Cool. Okay. Right. All right. Great. And keep in mind, Diane, you can put gravel down on the bottom of that planter. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't all have to be plantable soil. It does need, so think about it as a planter pot to where the bottom might be, you know, larger stones of some sort, ideally a river rock, not necessarily a, uh, uh, limestone white rock because that, that changes the pH very base. 
mm-hmm. whereas the what's called river rock or that round smooth stuff right. doesn't okay. really affect pH so much. So just be aware. But you could fill that bottom up um, and then put a little bit of a layer. You could put straw down there. You can put you know any kind of a membrane and then start with your soil. Ah, okay, yeah, because otherwise yeah. the soil would just seep down in between the river rock. Um, right. What right. kind of straw would deteriorate real quickly, wouldn't it? Yeah, but it 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 kind of uh, it still leaves a um, um, kind of a woody, fibrous uh, residue when it goes. Uh, but I mean, this is how we used to build uh, drain fields. You know, forty years oh. ago, is we put gravel down in there, and then we had we don't we want to grow grass on the top, so then we spread straw. And there are all kinds of membranes that we use now that are high tech and do the thing. So it's kind of like a filter fabric, a landscape fabric would do the same ticket. You know, so if you've got some of that around, uh, but my message is you don't need to fill it all up with soil uh, because sometimes it you know it's hard to keep that aerated and loose over years. Okay, okay, super. Great. Good advice. Thank you so much. All right. Happy building and digging and and gardening. Thanks, And happy vegetables. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Amen. All righty. Bye-bye. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Let's see who's up next. Talk to my friend Mildred. Hey, Mildred, Scott Mosby. Happy Saturday to you. How can I help? Scott, thank you for taking my call. I have roofing questions. I have a couple of roofing questions. I heard you say... Uh, if you're going to get your roof repaired or ch- changed out, you should also get your chimney, get the same uh, person or contractor to do the, uh, uh, if the chimney needs a ceiling, uh, you know, where the roofing and the, uh, and the ceiling meet. And yes. one of my questions was um, the layers of a roof. When should, should a homeowner, if you only got one layer of roofing, uh, uh, just put on an, another layer of roofing, and what should be, uh, what should I look for in the contract in between? Uh, if it's uh, you know one layer of roofing on top of, of another, what should be uh, the uh, composition of that? And for the chimney uh, uh, ceiling, should it be a stack, uh, uh, a stair stack uh, uh, evaluation of that uh, chimney where the uh, uh, the roof, roofing and the chimney meet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The number one, um, putting a second layer over the first layer is is not a problem. Uh, inspecting the roof, which is walking on it and looking for soft areas, and this is where roofers will propose we'll do that such and such if we have to replace plywood or decking below. It's at this much a, a, a sheet or whatever it is, but. Make sure that they inspect the roof when they propose it. Say, can you walk my roof and look for any soft spots so that they can, you know, tell you that up front. So I'm more worried about making sure what's under that existing roof is still in good shape. What goes over the second level, usually, uh, is yours a three-tab shingle or is it a flat roof, all big one flat? No, 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 it's a three-tab Oh, you're in good shape then. Uh, going over, very seldom do we have um, problems unless the homeowner is reporting a leak or rotted wood. Usually, you know, problems with the roof show up and, and manifest themselves around the St. Louis area pretty quickly. Um, and, and and that's my uh, concern. The roof is over 20 years of age, and I'm, I plan on replacing uh, it and all, okay. but it looks strange, you know, like, 
I had had it done 20 years ago, and back then where we had that great hailstorm, uh, uh, the contractor, uh, you know, didn't have local uh, people doing it because oh. there was so much work to be done, and I didn't know it at the time. Um, uh, but they did a great job, except that this roofing, uh, it just looks strange when you look at it from the, you know, upward. But yeah. like you say, to have the... Uh, have them as inspected and to uh, walk to see if there's any uh, 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 soft spots is what I'm uh, I'm concerned about. Uh, and uh, and the chimney uh, ceiling, I mean, mm-hmm. as far as the flashing, that's what it is. That's what it's yeah. called. Yeah, the yeah. flashing. What type of flashing normally? Because uh, I have a straight line flashing. And before yeah. that, I had had a, ch- uh, a stir st- step. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 flashing, and 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 I know that there's possible, you know, uh, uh, leakage, uh, uh, yeah. you know, around there or whatever. But I do know that it needs tuck pointing. So, Ooh. yeah, you know, there's a lot of problems coming up, and so that's that that is my concern. And uh, and um, and 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 is there any a time? That the guttering size, you know, uh, uh, the width of the guttering should be changed out. Is there a uh, when do a homeowner know this, or do it normally? If if it's always been the guttering that's been on the house for, oof, well, last twenty at least, uh, yeah. but it's been longer than that. Is it uh, when do you know when you need to change out for a uh, a larger? Uh, uh, a wider a guttering um, yeah. size. Yeah. Uh, well, with- you're asking all the right questions at the right time because the reality is all of these things are part of a roof um, assembly. So if you get your roof all fixed and the flashing is all whiz-bang and perfect, but your gutters leak, you still have water dripping on, you know, you still have a problem. So gutters um, and flashing for sure, roofing, as well as downspout location is important, all of this. And it ideally, if you can get one company be responsible for it, uh, and that usually means they're going to subcontract. Most companies don't have gutter guys and tuck pointers and flashers and roofers. You know, some of the old-time roofers do. There are some really good roofing companies in St. Louis that do all this stuff. That's what I'm saying, that if you can get one person to warranty or one company to be responsible for all these things you're asking, you know, I mean, all you need to know is, look, I don't want water dripping on the ground or inside my house. That's what I'm looking for. What do you need to do to do that? And it and, will and include And you say that these companies that, uh, that are still left, there's a few, like you say, yeah. one company. How will I know when they are subcontracting something out, like, say, Ask the gutter rings or the uh, chimney uh, 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 tuck pointing or, or whatever? How, how, how do I, as a consumer, do I put that in the c- contract? No, just ask your question. Just say, okay, are you subbing out? And, and here's the answer is, oh, we subcontract all this work out, but they've been working for us so long, they're, they're just like employees. Uh, the interpretation of that from the federal government is you're breaking federal employment laws and you're you know choosing to, to do it for a price advantage and it's not really the right way to go about doing things. So that's why I ask about not only do you get to have them all on the same team, they communicate better, um, and you have only one warranty issue um, because sometimes you get a contract that subs all this stuff out 
and they're just making phone calls. A real general contractor holds them to quality uh, issues, schedules, um, materials. And in today's world, everything gets rescheduled because all the materials are late or whatever. Uh, The point being back to your uh, issue on... uh, Uh, tuck pointing the chimney that goes number one because they're going to get up on that roof and they're going to walk around and tear up the shingles in order to do a good job on this uh, uh, tuck pointing then basically ask them whether they want to strip it off and and find out what the price difference is because uh, whenever I'm in a place where I just don't want to mess with it again. I'm 68 years old, and I'm in that place where I only want one more roof. So I'll pay for that roof to last 35 years or a few years longer. Uh, And that may mean I'm going to tear off that first roof and put on a new prime roof so that I get a longer run out of those shingles. Always buy 30-year-plus shingles. Um, The reason your shingles probably look bad is an insurance issue you probably got 20 year roof back then which 20 years ago they they made now the cost of shingles you know it's all in the labor and it's all in the organization so you know uh, using 30 year shingles just means you're paying a few thousand dollars more but your roof lasts another 50 percent longer you know it's like well that's good money that's a great investment so uh, tuck pointing first um flashing ideally and when you talk about the stair step uh that's a question for the interview because the stair step is the old school way of uh of flashing and then the counter flight the stair step you're referring to is the counter flashing the thing you see that goes into the brick most everybody now because of these high quality caulks just caulk it to the brick well, I, I'm still a little old school, I, and I've got people at Mosby that debate it. It's like, no, I want a caulk. The caulk's more reliable than chewing out the tuck pointing, and you know, the other half says, nope, it, it's old school. I want that metal tucked inside in between the bricks and then flashed on with that same caulking. So we're 50-50 on whether that gets tucked into the brick or just caulked on the surface. I like stair-step flashing. That's nope. a skill set that demonstrates care and a higher level of um, uh, trade skill. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you and I can go up on that roof, I bend have... up a little metal, and look just like those other. Well, stair stepping that takes a craftsman. <laughs> mm. So see what that I mean? means that, Mike, uh, in today's world, with everything prices going up and all, uh, do that mean more money per yep. se because yes, of the will. work that goes into it? But if they say, no, I won't do that, that means, no, I can't do that. It's like, oh, okay. well, maybe, mm-hmm. I, maybe I'll look for, you know, Mo instead of Larry, you know, for my roofer. So just, they're just little things, and you'll know. You're, you're asking great questions, Mildred. Trust yourself. You're, you're asking all the right things at all the right time. So, uh, you know, trust what, yourself. And, and what what goes fine. on? Uh, 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 what is a good roofing layering? If it has to go down and you find, like you say, you find soft spots and, and you might have to tear out and, and, and whatever. Yeah. What are yeah. the, uh, uh, the actual layering process and all? And the, also the uh, point at the uh, uh, edge of, edges of yeah. the roof. I think they call them drip something. Yep. Drip edge. Yep. Yep. Uh, that, Tell me and- about that. Okay, so you pull the roof off. You're looking at bare plywood or bare one by six decking. So you're looking at the wood structure of the roof surface. Uh, that's when it gets fully inspected. You can tell by color just walking up there. Darker wood is, has been subjected to water, uh, otherwise has not. 
and then your membrane goes on a typical 15 pound old felt roof or 20 pound now they now get into a composition felt which is even better quality it's stronger it's kind of a fiberglass mesh that gets filtered over and then there's a peel and stick material that goes usually underneath uh, tile and slate roofs and it's basically a waterproof membrane and they start at the very bottom uh, and and I'll get into drip edges here in just a little bit um, because it has to do with how the water interacts with the gutters positively or otherwise so then you put this new uh, composite felt or a peel and stick, which is substantially more money, but really it doesn't really need your shingles to shed the water. Basically, you're just putting a big shrink rack baggie all over the top of your house and then putting shingles on to take the weather. Um, you following me so far on that? Uh-huh. Okay. Then uh, at that point, uh, the there are drip edges, and some cities require drip edges. I don't necessarily agree with that because you put a drip edge above the gutters. It sounds like the water will drip nicely into the gutter, but there's a down flange that uh, actually bends and goes down the gutter board. And what really needs to happen is your gutters come off and slide up underneath that drip edge down flange material to make sure the water goes all the way inside the gutters instead of following that metal down behind the gutter between the gutter board and the new gutter or new application of gutter. Uh, uh, I, I have taken up a, quite a bit of your time and all, but I'm yeah. very appreciative of what you say, but I, probably I'm going to have to call you back <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or get in contact with your uh, uh, company uh, per se to get this in, in writing. But, or, um, you know, um, it's, it's a lot to, uh, to do. And all, I'll tell, and, uh, uh, I'll tell but, you what, uh, go, go on some shingle websites, some roofing like GAF Roofing, uh, Owens Corning, but GAF is a big one in uh, our area here. And, and look at their specifications, and the, the, the uh, pictures they put on that website are okay. very commonsensical. This is something that, I mean, with the questions and the knowledge you're, you have behind your questions, you're going to get this. <laughs> Well, the point is, you know, uh, like you say, you have to have your homework done in yes, order to ask the questions uh, because when they come uh, the, but But you, you brought up something I didn't know as far as the uh, soft spots. What yeah. makes soft spot in a roof, uh, basically? Uh, Usually water or bad plywood. It's more common in a plywood house built in the 60s and 70s when we were first starting to use plywood. Uh, there were three ply tabs and then or five layer plywood. So sometimes you just get on a piece of plywood and then we started to stretch the, the rafters out too far apart. You can get a pretty springy, bouncy plywood. And even in the mid 70s, it was okay to use three eighths thick plywood, which is not enough to hold up your roof shingles. So uh, my house was uh, built in in this, uh, 1939, so yeah, you'll have one Yeah, you'll have real lumber up there, so it'll take a lot to make a spongy part of your roof. Okay, so. and and I I was just uh, wondering per uh, say on that. Thank you so very much. You have truly I listen to you all the time, and you truly I like I say I I take you because of the experience that you have, and you don't have nothing to. Uh, Again, as far as I'm concerned, and and knowledge is extremely important, and that's what you give to this audience every Saturday morning. 
Thank you. Well, thank so, you, Mildred. I've made a lot of mistakes all to your benefit. Oh, How's yeah, that? we all do. <laughs> and, you know, if, and, and when you do, or if there's something to add on, the one thing about the program is there's experts out there that's listening to you that will yeah. come in and, and chime and give something uh, that you might have forgotten. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank have you. Have a great day, and thank you so very much for taking my call. All right. Bye, Mildred. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, X, all in the community of uh, fixing our homes and making them last longer. I'm going to take a short pause, come right back after this. Okie doke, Scott Mosby back with you here. Uh, I have been a student of uh, commodity futures, specifically lumber prices. Several of you have been building custom homes and doing large remodeling projects. Curious about the price of building materials. Well, I will report to you that about a month ago, or actually two weeks ago, the lumber's futures for delivery in May, which is two months from now, was about $1,350 per thousand board feet or a dollar thirty-five per board foot, 12 inches by 12 inches by one inch thick, which really means three-quarter dressed thickness, like what you and I think of as a one-by. Well, we're back down to about 12.25 for May delivery, which means that the lumber price is turning down a little bit. So you can think of, um, you know, and lumber starts, the builders are anticipating a large number of homes and we are building homes at an acceptable rate, which is about 1.7 million, 1.8 per year, because we've got all these new millennial people that are all coming into the housing and, and family age. Uh, there's still the baby boomers like me and maybe many of you that are still remodeling and preparing the homes for our later years. So the point being that not all building materials are trending up and pricier. So there's a, and it does follow uh, supply and demand, but largely it's an emotional tie to, you know, just how desperately do I need that specific material? So lumber price turned down a little bit. It's still three times higher than I'm used to, uh, which, you know, back in the days it was $350 per thousand or, you know, 35 cents a board for foot you know and maybe you and i when we're doing our stuff around the home spending 45 cents a board foot now it's a dollar 25 dollar 35 so anyway just wanted to report that to you because uh you know it's kind of my job to be the hood ornament get out in front and let you know what's coming take a short parts coming back here on kmox stay tuned there's more on kmox coming up next this is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Okay, wrapping up hour one, back for hour two here in a little bit. I've only got about 90 seconds. Uh, the difference between faucets in a store that you go and buy retail and the faucets that we as licensed plumbers purchase from a wholesale supply house. Uh, two totally different customers. Customers, two totally different price points, different specifications. Uh, for example, in retail, uh, you would think that um, you know the manufacturer figures out how much to make a product and then they uh, sell it for whatever that price is. Well. In retail, it's the retailers, the big box stores have become so uh, large a customer, they say, we want a product like this that sells for 
$30 or $80 or whatever the price is. And then the manufacturer, back-end engineers or value engineers, um, pulls out features until they hit that price point to supply because they can sell a gazillion of them to a big box store. Okay, now you've got a plumber at the counter, and his reputation is on the line every time he goes to somebody's house. He's charging a bunch of money for the labor, and he's charging for these products. And the one thing he can do that's different is he can warranty that product and be a one-stop, like, I'll be there, I'll do it, it's going to cost you a bunch, but you're done. So it's a good quality product. So selling to that plumber, it's more apt to be maybe a brass body, uh, longer-lasting materials, because that contract wants that product to last long enough to protect his or her reputation so that uh, you think kindly of them the next time something breaks. So the point being is when you're buying a retail whatever, it's a different issue. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, back for hour two after this. Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together, Home Improvement. Scott Mosby, noon hour, top of the hour, bean time, noon time. It's time to talk about your home and all things related to the home health safety. You and all of the people that help keep you and me safe in our homes. Uh, think about your air quality. Now that we are been through the winter, we've been breathing the same air. We can open up the windows. I hope you've been opening your windows in the last few days. Uh, screens become more and more important because as you and I get more uh, comfortable around our homes, the bugs start hatching out because they become more comfortable in the temperature as well. So they're coming soon. Uh, open those windows. Change the air in your home. It's good. Uh, even any kind of carbon monoxide uh, gas appliances building materials especially plastics and carpets things like that Uh, you know even um, matting in um, pictures and framing and such all that stuff off gases into a building and you know it's fine when we can get in and out Uh, when it's nice outside we go in and out and in and out and in and out and the house changes the air a lot just from you and I going in and out the door all the time and our families and guests well, in the wintertime when it's really cold, nobody really wants to go out, so the house stays closed up. Fewer air changes per hour or ACH average change per hour, and that's how we judge indoor air quality because, you know, what's outside generally is cleaner than what's inside. Open those windows is my message uh, and get the screens fixed. If you can't now, now's a great time because when we get into April and May, you know, boy, howdy, we're going to have those things open and ventilating because it's just delightful in St. Louis in those months. Uh, you know, and, you know, like today, we get our intermittent, you know, times uh, where it's not. But uh, be aware. Also, uh, lubricate your doors, windows, latches, locks, deadbolts, all that stuff. Um, be aware. Don't over-lubricate them. In my early years of home ownership, I ran around with three-in-one oil, and I oiled all my door hinges so they would swing freely. And, you know, if, if a little is good, then more is better. And I wound up with oil drips down on the carpet on the floor. Well, try and get that out. Um, uh, likewise, with lock sets, if you lubricate the lock or the deadbolt or the actual strike plate plunger, you know, the part that goes in and out, um, that would be best lubricated with a white um, 
graphite, powdered graphite. Uh, you can use that, you know, with a silicone, a WD-40 type product as well. Just don't over lubricate it because that stuff starts dripping. It can remove paint on the doors and stain, stain the wood. So, you know, a little bit is good. You just kind of pop the pin up in the hinge. Uh, I do that with a little nail set, sometimes a screwdriver and a hammer. Lift it up about a quarter of inch put the oil in on the top of that hinge and do that on all two or three, four hinges, whatever your door has. Uh, move the door back and forth, open, close, open, close, and then drive the pin back down that quarter inch so that's in that uh, closed, uh, fully engaged uh, position. Uh, and likewise, windows. Uh, windows are times to get out uh, in an emergency. You know, uh, windows are a big deal in design. Mosby Building Arts, my day job, our responsibility is to make sure every bedroom has has a window big enough, low enough on the windowsill for egress or escape in a fire, escape in a problem, uh, and getting out in an emergency, whatever it is. Uh, and that also is sized. So the size of those windows are, are uh, determined by a full-size firefighter in full turnout gear with an air tank on their back. So that's the size of an entity that has to come in through that window. Uh, you and I think of it as, well, I want to get out. Well, the actual size of that unit is determined primarily by the emergency services, the firefighters coming in through that window to come drag us out in an emergency. Uh, so that's a big deal. Uh, just be aware that going around, making sure your doors and windows lock, move freely. You might have some thresholds, some doors that bind a little tight because during the freezing temperatures, that concrete on that porch stoop, that front door, that back door, we love our concrete. We pour it right up underneath the threshold, underneath those doors, usually a back door first. And, and they heave. They come up because the soil below has frozen uh, days like today in this past week you know it's going back down but still it's a little bit uh, in later times I'll talk about um, the uh, having a wet garage floor I alluded to that a few weeks ago I'll tell you a little bit more about that today because it's 70 degrees 75 tomorrow um, we can have really cold soil really cold concrete open up that garage door humidity coming in like today uh, you know you you'll think that you're house is raining inside the garage with a wet floor. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a bit. Uh, 314-436-7900, We'll be back in a little bit. Tom, hold the line. Thank you, sir, for holding on through the hour. Um, I will get to you in a moment. Bring it on. We've got another full hour of home improvement here. My name is Scott Mosby. I am at your service. I promise to give you my very best. And uh, think of me as your pre-disastered crash plan. I've made so many mistakes in my career that I have learned from those mistakes. I think they call it experience. So I am your research and development, your R&D staff slash crash pilot to figure out what doesn't work. And then I can share with you the things we've discovered as Mosby Building Arts over the last three quarters of a century. Those things that will work and you can stand on our shoulders of the experience and that's kind of what KMOX is about we are the community shared 
knowledge of the family of St. Louis uh, back from 1925 and the founding of KMOX. Uh, so we're kind of the gestalt of the whole area. And um, kudos, uh, always nice to see Brian Kelly because we have a real newsroom. We staff the newsroom and we uh, report the news instant breaking and keep it to you. So we take our um, responsibility of the community very seriously both here on the home improvement show our newsroom standing in the community programming throughout the week anyway it's uh, i'm happy to be part of the family listening as well as one of the broadcasters we're going to take a short pause come back for now and we're going to get right back to tom as soon as we have this break right here on camwax Okay, welcome back. Scott Mosby, noontime, middle of the day, home improvement, one full hour. Stay tuned. Uh, uh, retire ready coming up at 1 o'clock here on KMOX. Lots of things happening. Great afternoon on the camp, the beautiful campus of KMOX Radio. Stay tuned in. Uh, let's go to my friend Tom, see what's happening. Tom, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How can I ha- help you today? Hey, hello there, Scott. Yes, sir. Thanks good morning. My good call. afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Good afternoon. Uh, the question has to do with the topic of termites. And what, in your experience, or have you learned recently, what is the most up-to-date modern form of sleuthing termites that are in an area of the home, I guess potentially, that can't be seen? Uh, mm-hmm. Thinking about a finished basement, I've seen pictures of, of homes where folks have, uh, I guess, uh, termite activity discovered You know, 10 years later was coming under the front porch or some yeah. part of the home the termite inspector did not see. You get the termite inspection report back from the inspector on a home purchase, and it says everything's great except we can't see these areas. Yeah. So do you recommend, for example, using a, using a bait system on the outside to see if, they, if they're active or to just to cut holes in the drywall and put uh, access panels? Well, two different things. One way to handle this, uh, there, there are a couple different ways. Number one, uh, the bait system, may invite them to dinner and uh, hope they come. Um, so that's a bait system to where, you know, these little uh, things are put around the perimeter of your house with really tasty white softwood that termites love. The next one is find them and then go at them and kill them there. Well, in a finished structure, that's kind of tough. And, and what you're seeing is in home inspection standard terminology, they can't be accountable for what they can't see. So it's right. just kind of a commonsensical thing. It's like, well, I couldn't see it, so I can't report on it. Uh, don't worry about that. Worry about, but you are sighting the front porch. So in a termite inspection, they look in the areas where they have most common problems, like around the front porch, which is uh, where the dirt doesn't settle when the foundation was poured and built at inception of the house. That's one. Um, Around the the plate line above the top of the concrete foundation all the way around the house. That's another. Any place where the soil comes up just a little bit too high on the siding or the brick or stucco, whatever the exterior finish is. Uh, Long and the short of it is, it's like buying insurance. You don't know when you're going to need it. You can't really be sure with a termite inspection with a finished basement because they can't see anything. And right. you've also built the perfect environment for a um, termite. Mm-hmm. So if you're in an area and you're worried about it or you have neighbors that have had problems with this or the house has a previous history of that, uh, that's where I am a fan of the bait systems. 
because okay. it's just like fishing for fish. You know, I'm going to try and put something out there on the water that the fish really likes, might come over, nibble, and, you know, bite the hook. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing with a termite. As soon as there's a hit or, you know, monthly inspection, and homeowners can do this themselves too. They can be professionally installed on these bait systems. You can buy these bait systems and install them yourself. You have to do the discipline of every month checking these things because if you pull that piece of white wood out and it's all chewed up or you're, you know, holding termites, you've got to pull that piece out and then put in a baited poisonous piece of wood that they now take that material, that poison, and they carry it back to the colony, to the nest, and they kill the nest. So that's the ticket. And that's why bait systems are so popular. Um, They're expensive to put in. They're costly to monitor. But you're not spraying a whole bunch of pesticide and nasties around the house that you live in and your kids in and your pets are in. All you do is look for trouble, and when there's trouble, invite them to dinner and send them home with a bomb, you know? So, Scott, if the, if, if the termites are having a, a, a party on the, <laughs> the floor joist inside, mm-hmm. and you put a, a bait system, I don't know, what is it, a couple feet away from the foundation outside, is that right. a, will that attract them to go over to that bait station even though they're already eating inside? Not necessarily. That's that's just it. But it, again, you're buying insurance. If you really want to know, you have to pull that drywall out. And okay. and there are ways that we do that. For example, you know, we might take a an attic vent for a soffit vent that's a grill. Mm-hmm cut a hole in that drywall, take a peek up in two or three places, and then we put this grill on the ceiling or an access panel. Uh, And all it is is a a way for us to attractively open that drywall, close it up, and make it look intentional to the point that it's like, well, I don't have bomb holes in my drywall down in the basement. So the access panels would be my first choice. Uh, Years ago, before they started manufacturing those attractive plastic panels, you know, you can paint over those things. But if if you're worried about it, you're going to keep worrying about it until you inspect it anyway. So, you know, don't lose sleep right. time. Open it up. Take a peek. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thanks. Good question. Good question Thank and uh, a big deal. Thank you. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, first up, Tom's been uh, waiting a while. I appreciate that. I have a lot more to say about uh, termites because we live in a place where termites are a hazard. I also want to bring up, and and we're in March, we just went past Feb- February, I think was radon month. I also want to bring up the awareness of radon, uh, because like termites, you can't see them, you can't hear them, and if you get it, radon or termites, either one, it doesn't turn out well. Um, so rain, radon is an odorless, colorless gas. It's kind of like natural gas in the house. You can't tell you've got a gas leak until you boom, you know, blow up. Well, it's radioactive. So it's from a um, uh, radioactive gas. It is bad mojo to get in your lungs. So if you have a finished basement, I want you to think about radon test uh, as well. So if you're uh, inspecting, make sure you do a radon test on the lowest level of habitable space. So if you have a finished basement, that's in the basement. And so keep in mind, my point being with termites, uh, if you're worried about it, uh, keep checking until you're satisfied because it's honestly all about how well you and I sleep at night. Um, If we're worried about it 
and we lose sleep, then we aren't finished checking it. So just invest in it until you get peace of mind. Uh, and that would be that if, if certainly if you find something, I would treat locally, and that's when you need a, a you know a termite pro and their pest control and termite. But termite guys are a little bit different than normal bug uh, control guys. So uh, usually every company has a termite specialist on staff. Uh, but don't um, discount the bait systems because of the cost because they're a really good way it's the best preventive way i know uh without blowing a bunch of uh, you know nasty killer insecticide stuff around the outside of the house generally so uh, uh anyway that's the thing uh so 314-436-7900 puts us together 314-436-7900 or anywhere on the globe 800-925-1120 uh, let's go see what's happening with my friend suzanne hey suzanne good afternoon to lunchtime on KMOX. how can i help hi um hi. my question is i don't know who to call i have a rather large i guess hill in my backyard it completely it's flat but then it it goes downhill there used to be a retaining wall there uh to hold the dirt up and the concrete i had a little concrete walkway and the steps well the steps are falling apart sliding down the hill the mud is just the dirt it's just rolling down the hill it doesn't matter there's there's a drainage system there but it's not working anymore I uh, I don't know who to call to have this rebuilt because when I first uh, moved in, it was tiered. You know, it was two tiers, and there was all wow. kinds of ivy. Um, I've been in the house for 25 years, and now my concrete is starting to mm-hmm. uh, concrete slab is starting to slide down. Along with, I'm getting cracks in my back porch as well. Yeah, yeah. Who well, do I call to have this? done uh you're welcome to done you're welcome to call us if if you'd like at mosby building arts uh it is kind of a a landscape issue Uh, landscapers do retaining walls there are companies that specifically do retaining walls overall there's more going on here Uh, typically the hill sloughs off so the dirt slides down the hill or literally is called slippage. It just comes down the hill, then it gets rain, and then it literally erodes, piles down on the bottom. So all that hill is pushing sideways against your old wall. And if it was railroad ties or even unit blocks, it just 25, 35 years is a long time for a retaining wall. Um, This is going to be a big deal. You're going to have to dig into the hill because wherever you put a wall, you need some type of holdback, tieback, or in old railroad ties, it's a debt well. So if you've got an eight-foot-tall wall, you've got to dig eight feet into the hill for these holdback, tieback, dead man-type systems. Now usually a roller fabric that gets put in there. Um, Okay. But... So then that's just the wall. That's the soil. Then you've got to handle the water because the water is going to come down and try and push your new wall over it. So there's drainage there. How do you get rid of that water behind the wall? So that has to be in the, you know, the wall builders thing. There's engineering. The higher this gets, you know, above, I think, 36 inches, above three feet, you're into permit and, and, you know, and county permits to prove that you're building this wall so it doesn't fall over. Um, You know, so you you don't want to create a hazard with a wall that tips over because a kid's dancing on the top of it. Um, True. You know, then you get into your sidewalk. I don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have the little ones anymore. So. 
Well, just maintenance up on that hill. You have maintenance weed eater guys getting up there, you know, so it has to be yeah. a safe structure, even though it's just a wall. So, uh, okay. And it's taken, um, uh, and the problem is we're having trouble getting concrete unit blocks. So even to get materials to build retaining walls, it's a bit of a challenge as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So if you have a relationship with a really good landscaper, start there. Anybody that you've got a good relationship with, stand on that experience because the years of, you know, you learn to you learn to communicate back and forth. If there's somebody like that, I would start with them. Uh, if you have to go outside of it, go for somebody that will do all of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just, I just didn't know how, who to call and. I did call a couple of landscapers and they said we didn't they didn't do that type of work. Yeah. So I heard you and I thought I'm going to call and see who yeah. I could call. Okay. Uh, retaining walls. Uh, call us if if we can't handle it. We can refer you out to companies that uh, that we trust. So that's kind of the advantage there and kind of one of those things that if you've been on KMOX long enough, you better be able to help somebody when they call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. All right. Take care. Bye, Suzanne. Yeah, bye-bye. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. We've got some phone lines, folks. You know, I know it's warming up, getting a little nicer outside, but, uh, you know, we need to keep the wheels going here on this bus. Uh, phone lines, 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120. You know, Jake, my producer, has me locked in this little room by myself. I need, you know, a little company, so give me a call. We'll talk about what's around your home. Remember, we're going to talk about indoor air quality air filters. I'm going to get a little bit into water filters when we come back because they're easy to forget and they require regular maintenance. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement Camox. Take a short pause and be right back. Oh yeah, as promised, hey, a wet garage floor. You might have a sweating uh, sidewalk, a uh, wet driveway. This time of year, condensation occurs and it's odd because the ground will be very cold coming through a cold winter we had some real cold spells you may or may not be experiencing this because last week was pretty warm it's been you know it's been nice temperatures on and off so but it takes a while for that very cold soil and therefore very cold asphalt concrete uh, garage floor especially because you've got a garage door closed that concrete doesn't warm up very quickly so it stays cold and then when warm moist air touches it with today's moisture today you know I mean and and the rain we've had you just get humidity that comes through the garage door you can wind up with droplets on the garage floor and it it just wet and it looks like something's leaking or a problem with that just be aware it is just condensation it will go away when the concrete warms up and if you wipe that water off it will come back because as long as the temperature remains below the dew point the temper the combination of the concrete temp and the humidity in the air just like your iced tea glass in the summertime when you have a very cold drink inside you know you get water droplets on the outside of the glass same thing so just be aware that's what causes a, a wet garage floor and you know it's an important thing that's part of all of that so just be aware with that uh, let's go back to the phone lines and see what's happening with my friend Ann. Ann, good afternoon welcome to KMWX how can I help hi, hi. I have a problem with 
a concrete slab that is next to the foundation of my house. It's not attached to the house. And for the last five years, I've had animals or critters that have dug a hole under that slab, and they're living there. I have set traps, and the city has come to get them in the trap. But I want to remove that slab, so I need to know what I need to do. It's about three feet deep. I did have that measured. It's three feet deep that they've dug under. Oh. So I know it needs to be moved. So help me. Wowzer. <laughs> three feet deep's a big way, and that's a that's quite a den, if you will, for critters to live in. So yes. I think how big is the concrete slab? Oh, it's not real thick. They use it to sit trash cans on. Okay. Uh, and so they've kind of dug underneath there, and so it's sinking now. It's, yeah. It's sinking yeah. below the line where they had everything. Well, the way uh, I would I go about that. I want to say it's about four feet long, four or five feet long, and maybe mm-hmm. three feet wide. Okay. Um, that, uh, number one, you can um, fill that void with a mud jack or a poly jack. So there are companies that will fill that up. It'll be a bloody fortune, and it's it's almost not worth it because your slab is so small. It'll be, you know, because of the setup, teardown and all, it'll be close to $1,000. So okay. that is a possibility, but I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, and the next one is really remove it and compact it and replace it because with critters going in like that, and if it's three feet deep, <clears throat> you've got some pretty good-sized uh, rascals that have been there. Yeah. So I'd pull that, I'd pull that concrete out. I would dig down, compact that soil, put gravel in, and either put in pavers or pour a new chunk of concrete. But pavers are um, easier to put in, and frankly, if it starts happening again, it's easier to pull the pavers back out, fix the subgrade, and then put the, you know, the concrete little bricks or pavers back together. And okay, and I, I think I would like the pavers. I don't want to do concrete again. I want I wanted to come. I want to fill it with dirt. And yeah. gravel, and mm-hmm. maybe some broke glass. Anything that's going to keep them from digging. <laughs> yeah, <right>. well, yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. Uh, and frankly, you can put a little bit of, uh, there's a, a hardware cloth, kind of a wire mesh material you can get at a hardware store. Uh, there are okay. all kinds of things that, you know, barriers that keep these critters uh, from getting through. Or you can actually build kind of a footing even by stacking pavers underground. So it's kind of a wall under the soil. So they start digging down, and they dig down six inches. Oh, my gosh, there's still concrete here. They dig down another three. They're down nine inches. Oh, there's still concrete there, and it's like another inch or so. It's like, now we'll move on. We're going to the neighbor's house where we only have to dig five inches deep. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how the whole thing goes on. Yeah, you don't have to outrun the critters. You just have to outrun the neighbor so that they go next door and dig underneath (laughs) their slab. You're right. <laughs> okay, well that's that's very helpful. So would I call would I call maybe a landscape uh company mm-hmm. to come take a look and let me know because yes. that area would have to be landscaped when they move it. And yeah, this is a perfect thing actually for kind of a handyman too. If you know a handyman okay. it's not high tech. 
Uh, it's portable and it's easy to do for a one-man show. Uh, and frankly, you know, if you get a guy that's, you know, and some of the retired guys, you know, with skills like this, they just want work that's just enough and challenging. You might get somebody who really, you know, likes the mental challenge of out you know, witting the uh, opossum or the raccoon or the critter that's digging. Who knows? Okay. That sounds great. I do know a handyman, so we'll we'll have Perfect. a conversation right at spring. Yeah, that well, call him now <clears throat> because, I mean, with, I with uh, economy, everything's upside down. If you want him in four months, call him today. <laughs> okay. Okay, I will. Right Thank on. Thank you All right. so much, and I love your show. Thanks, Ann. Thanks for being part of the family. Okay, Bye. thanks. Bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. We, If nothing else, we have a good time on Saturdays here on the Home Improvement Show. I hope my answers uh, can help you get down the road a little bit. Uh, uh, let's take a short pause and come right back for more on the University of KMOX. Scott Mosby at the helm. Uh, we're finishing up Hour 1, and we've got more coming up on KMOX all day long right here on KMOX 1120. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby here. Last few minutes, hour two. Stay tuned. Retire ready coming up next on KMOX. Next up, let's talk with my friend Lois. Hey, Lois, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you this afternoon? Scott, hey, it's interesting that you were talking about garages today because that's my problem. Oh, (laughs) one of them. (laughs) It's not a wet floor, though, fortunately. But (laughs) one one of them has to do with the garage door opening. Sometimes it just will not open. It will only when I push the remote, only open halfway, and then it stops. Yeah. And then I can't get it to go back down. And then sometimes it works. And then sometimes from the pad itself. I can open it. It'll work. And then other times it doesn't. So that's one problem. The okay. other one is this, this garage, um, it, 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 it opens into the kitchen of the house. Mm-hmm. Yep. But when you're in the kitchen, at the sink, for instance, if you if uh, along the floor line, you can just feel sort of a rush of cold, drafty air coming through. So I'm wondering what, what both of those problems might be. Is that on an exterior wall at the kitchen sink? The kitchen sink it it adjoins the the wall the wall to the garage the okay. interior wall of the garage. Yep, yep. Okay. Well, what happens typically? First off, the plumbing underneath the kitchen sink they knock holes in the wall to make repairs, to change p traps, to inspect and do whatever. Um, most plumbers don't necessarily close those back up, so there could be a lot of air moving. Now, keep in mind a plumbing vent also, and so or Lois, there's a pipe that goes straight up through the roof, and by you know, nature of how it's built, it's kind of a column of air straight down from the roof all the way down to that pipe. Um, and it, it, it gets controlled for fire spread with metal, but that doesn't insulate or stop the draft. So I would actually insulate around those pipes, open up your cabinet underneath, or take a look and see, or go up in the attic and see if there's a a, a blockage or some way you can stop the air from getting down that pipe uh, between that wall of the garage and the house because plumbing pipes are notorious for air leaks because, you know, they just don't get closed back up around those pipes for insulation and air movement. Uh, And it's both a fire threat and a temperature threat. 
Okay. And now I see the opening where the pipes are running from the sink up, you know, down through the floor. And this is a slab house. There's no attic, no basement. You know, there's no, yeah. it's just a slab. And okay. the place where the air is coming is in like a corner. Like there's one of those corner cabinets, carousel type cabinets. Oh, yeah. And it's on that wall where the, um, where the air is yeah. coming through. That's so tough to get to because, yeah. Huh. Go ahead. Wow, that's interesting. So I should have somebody look to see if there's openings, things that need to be plugged up and insulated? Yeah, yeah usually uh-huh. up in the attic on that, uh, on getting back there. But once you get a dead corner, a blind corner cabinet, it's really hard to get behind that cabinet to, uh, yeah. y- you know, to stop any of this. Slab homes are cold anyway because, you know, you're, the concrete gets cold and, you know, it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So think about that in terms of... Uh, you know, just uh, the air movement at that place. Is there any advantage to insulating the garage wall from the other side? From the Abs- absolutely, the absolutely. Uh, and Frank, but to do that, you have to pull the drywall off or the plaster off, and it typically would be done from the garage side. So you demolish or remove all of that surface, then properly insulate it. And it's probably insulated. How, how old is your house? When was it built? Well, actually, it's probably a good thing because there's, there's just nothing there except the stone. There's no insulation, no drywall. Oh. The wall is not finished. It's just, oh. um, you know, it's open. So maybe that's the problem. There's no yes. finish to it at all. Yeah, I promise you, you will. I mean, the thought back when, when energy was cheap, you know, you really didn't need to insulate it because it's a garage. Well, wow, that's a cold yeah. garage. So uh, that's easy money. I would insulate that. And from a fire spread risk, and when you go to sell the house, you'll likely have to do this anyway, is put a fire code drywall to keep, you know, your car catches on fire. Do you want it to burn mm-hmm. the rest of the house down or not? You know. I need so, to call Scott Posby Building Arts, don't I? There you go. Oh, you're you're a, you're a woman after my own heart. There, <laughs> I think that's my that's my next move. And the other one with the with the garage door opener. What do you suspect that could it maybe be a battery or something simple? Maybe please. It could be it could be the push button. Uh, for example, every day you come in and out, you press that button, you press that button, you press that button. Well, that is the place that gets a lot of work. So the button itself for just going halfway up and stopping, that's something different. But if it doesn't really happen each time, you know, the button's $30. It's pretty easy to replace yourself. You can get one to, you know, to match. But the other one, you may, you're probably ready for a garage door service man because when the door oh. goes up halfway and stops and it doesn't try and go up or go down, then there's a safety feature that's not working and one of the wires maybe, you know, they're just a dozen. And this time of year, you know, it's like an old sore knee. You know, all of those uh, steel rails and wheels kind of get tired and they just sometimes need a little bit tension. Okay, so I just need to have someone come and look at that. Check the buttons first and if that doesn't work, have someone come check it out. Yes, yes. Uh, and just be aware, they're going to be, for all the other listeners, they're going to be a lot of garage door issues this time of year because of the change in weather. I mean, it's a dandy mm. winter and things, you know, get obstinate when they're cold and they, they shrink when they get cold and steel included. Oh, okay. Yeah, and this is my first winter in this house. So, um, yeah. Okay. I'd get your garage oh, door serviced anyway, just from yeah, that point of view. You know, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of like a doctor's okay. checkup. Okay, I need to call the the, the company because there's some other things with issues with this house that I need to get looked at and corrected. So I'm going to yeah. give you a call. What's All your right, number? Thank you. 
the difference for me archie i'm not sure you know the 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 california garage is it's open it's really open on three sides okay and and the front where the door is is the only part that's closed yeah but three sides it's open have you seen those type of garages yes yes uh they're they're partially closed they're really considered kind of a carport the dressed up version is call it a car a, a california garage but uh, it, it ventilates well. Um, the, the issue there, I hope your concrete has a full foundation around it for that. Once you build a partial wall, um, you're almost um, enclosing the garage. So then you get into, you've spent almost this much money. Would you like the security of a closed-in garage? So it's really just about what you want to do. Um, and how you want to get it. But they are less costly, but you're very close to having a full garage built cost-wise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Archie. I appreciate it. Uh, and there's a good bit of California garages that get enclosed later because they seemingly are almost there and, you know, somebody wants to put a bicycle inside or something or some tools or whatever lawnmower, they get more security out of closing the whole thing up. Right. Okay. okay. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, Archie, thanks for the call. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, in the last 30 seconds of the show. Stay tuned. More coming up here on University of KMOX. Lots of things happening. We're upon basketball season. Billikens are in and out. We've got all kinds of things happening here on KMOX. Stay tuned. And I heard a rumor. Oh, gosh, I heard something about spring baseball. Tom Ackerman. Could that be? Oh, you know, it's warm there. Oh, yeah. Well, it's warm here. Well, maybe not today. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. I'll see you next week, so stay tuned. More coming up here on University of KMOX as we get into Retire Ready. Stay tuned. A good afternoon here on the family of KMOX.